Welcome to the Freedom City Church podcast, a podcast designed to help your faith thrive. We hope you enjoy today's message. I, I actually, before we got up while we were worshiping, I feel I feel something in my spirit. You know, like I feel something in my spirit that's um. You know, I feel that, there's, that God wants to do something. I know people say that all the time, but it's almost like prophetic. There's something that God wants to do this morning. I don't know what it is yet. Um, I'm going to start preaching my message, um, and we'll get into it. But I might stop halfway through because I feel like God wants to do something today. You know, um, I was just being just been praying leading up to this. This week we got the opportunity, Megs and I, to um, go to our ACC uh, denominations uh, meeting, lift meeting, where there's um, a whole bunch of pastors um, that came, and basically we. We basically got the opportunity to talk about what life was has been like going through a time of trauma and pain, you know, and seeing the goodness of God throughout it. And the amount of um, people who came up afterwards and were like, I can't believe that the church is actually talking about this. I can't believe that you've said this, that this is something I've never heard before in a church. Uh, we had people uh, at the... We went for lunch afterwards, and people said, "Hey, thank you so much for saying that." I, I had someone said to me, "I had a stroke seven years ago, and this is the first time I've heard someone from the front of stage talk about how hard it is to be a Christian and go through hardship." It's just saying, "I feel validated. I feel heard." And the amount of people that we got feedback from just made me think that that God wants to do something more. Whether you're here today at church or I'm looking at a phone. Uh, whether you're at home right now, um, God wants to do more in your life. He wants to do more than than just see you rock up to church each week and leave feeling nothing. You know, God wants you to leave being changed, being transformed, and knowing that it's okay to be human. Turn to the person next to you and say, "It's okay to be human. It is okay to be human." You know, uh, Sam, I, I'll be able to. Control it from here, man. If you can, if you can chuck up the first slide, though, I need you to do that. Chuck the first slide. All right. So my message today, my message today is called the the power of persistence and the faculty of faith. Say power. Say persistence. Say faith. Faith. The faculty of faith. This is a fun word. I googled it to make sure that it it made sense. But when I was writing this message, I was like, ah, that sounds cool. I wanted to focus today on the power of persistence in the faculty of faith, on just how significant your persistence and your faith is in the context of eternity. Hands up if you've faced a situation where you've needed to persist. Hands up. Hands up if you've faced a situation where you need to have faith. Hands up if you've, it's happened in the past 24 hours. Yeah, persisting through the night with children who won't sleep. Or persisting through the four quarters as Australia, the boomers, beat Slovenia in the basketball. It was so good. It was so good. Oh, it's all right. Everyone loses to America. But it was so good to see Australia finally get a, goal, a bronze medal in the basketball after 65 years. That's persistence right there. That is persistence right there. 65 years of coming forth. Well, not all the time, but like a lot of the times, they, 
there came forth. All right, so whether it be tough seasons, moments of madness, we all face and fight battles. And I dare say some of you are fighting a battle right now. I dare say some of you, some of you at home, fighting a battle right now where you need persistence, where you need faith. But I'm a strong believer. I don't know if you've heard me say this before, but I'm going to tell you now. I'm a strong believer that the battle, you've already won half of it if you just rock up to it. What I mean by that is that all that God needs is you. You to rock up to whatever battle you're going through. You know, imagine, like, imagine who's seen the movie Gladiator? And at the start of Gladiator, there's two sides converging on each other. And there's one, I've actually been to the place where the, where set, the film was set, uh, the set of the film. But um, there's one side of the hill where they come running down and all these horses and men come running down to attack the other, the other people. You know, if the other people weren't there, they'd just be running down a hill. They'd just be having a good time. But there's a battle because you rock up. And you are in the battle if you rock up. And you are in the battle when you persist and you stay there. I think today we have to realize the fact that you are here today, that you are in church and that you believe in Jesus, your battle is already half won. It's already half won. And if you're 50%, it can't get worse than 50%. You know, you're doing pretty well. So... If that's encouraging anyone, sweet, sweet. But what I mean by the power of persistence in the faculty of faith, say persistence. The fact, I have to do this, I forgot. <laughs> oh, Sam, that's not working. Sam, you just take over, buddy. You're, you're still sitting there for some reason. The power of persistence. The fact of continuing in, in an opinion if I don't, I might not have made a slide for this. Persistent, the fact of continuing in an opinion or course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. Who's ever had like a situation where they're like, no, I know I'm right. I know I'm right. You're like, no, I know. Of course, they're called moguls. They're not called muggles. They're called moguls. You know, I've seen Harry Potter many times. You know, Dumbledore, you know, it's like, his name's Dumbledore, and he hates the Muggles. And you're like, you're so persistent. You're like, yes, this is it. This is it. This is it. His name is this. And everyone's like, no, you're stupid. It's, 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 it's Dumbledore, and they're, they're Muggles. No, they're Muggles. You know, in the, in the face of opposition, sometimes we just have to push through. We have to push through. Maybe you've got a health issue, and you just have to push through persisting in the face of opposition. Opposition is anything that's facing you as you're heading one way or something that's coming the other way to, to push you back. You know, opposition could be something that's just in the way. In the face of opposition or difficulty, persistent means, persistence means to continue on, to continue on as you're eating that burger. And it's like, I shouldn't eat those chips, but I will persist. I shouldn't eat that last donut, but in the face of difficulty and opposition, I will persist. You get what I'm saying? Persistence and faculties. So this is the one we want to pay more attention to because it's a, a funny word to use. 
but faculty is an ability or power such as an innate or acquired ability to act or to do, an inherent capability, power, or function. One, for example, the faculty of hearing. So the ability to hear can be called the faculty of hearing. So the faculty of faith is the power or the ability to have faith. So the power of persistence and the faculty of faith, these are the things that we want to talk about, how faith and persistence are inherent to those who have the Holy Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit, you have the power of persistence and you have the faculty of faith. I'm going to say that again, because if you think you have the Holy Spirit today, that's good. But I want to say, if you have the Holy Spirit, you have the power of persistence and the faculty of faith. This is referring to you. Maybe you've forgotten it. Maybe you don't realize it. But if you have the Holy Spirit, it is in your DNA to persist. If you have the Holy Spirit, it is coded into you to have faith. It says in Hebrews 11, 1, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Do you have something that you're hoping for? You're believing for? Do you have something that's not seen, but maybe in your mind's eye, in your heart, you've seen it and said, yes, this is what can be. This pleases and glorifies God, so I'm going to believe for it. Do you have something you have faith for today? Do you have a conviction? And I want to emphasize the word conviction there because a conviction is like an arresting. There's an arresting of my soul for something. You know, who's been, don't tell me who's been arrested, but in, just in your head, put up your hand. Who's, who's been arrested? No, I'm joking. Like... I'm going to check your police checks, make sure you're not on the kids' team. Um, so if you've been arrested, there's a moment where you're kind of like, or oh, the police stop you, or even if you go through a, um, a breath, te- breath test place, you know, when, booze bus, when you go through, you're kind of like, there's something that happens. You're, like, you're aware, your whole body seizes up, and there's an arresting of your soul. You're kind of like, oh, my goodness, you know, what's going on here? You know, sometimes we have an arresting of our soul. We have an arresting of our soul, a conviction of our soul that says that, actually, I'm going to believe for that. I'm going to have faith for that. Actually, in the midst of what seems impossible, what seems wrong, what seems not likely, there's an arresting, a conviction of my soul that says, I will believe for the unseen. I don't know if you've experienced that, but I want to talk about the Bible. Who thinks the Bible's good? Yep. Say, yeah, I love the Bible. Say, yeah, the Bible's good. We are a Bible-believing church, a Bible-exploring church, a, a church who believes that when we exegete the Scriptures, we see what God wanted to, was wanting to mean and wanting us to learn and to hear. But I want to talk today about a story that Jesus shared with his disciples, and it's called The Persistent Widow. Say The Persistent Widow. The Persistent Widow. It's found in Luke 8, verses 1 to 8. This is a great passage 
this is, shows us such a, Luke 18, 1 to 8. Sorry, did I say 8? Luke 18, 1 to 8. Well, if you knew your Bible, you would have gone to verses 8. Anyway, I did, the, I did the same thing when I was making these slides. I kept putting the wrong one in. But anyway. All right, Luke 18, verses 1 to 8. It says, One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. I think I could just finish there. Anyway, they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people. This guy's a bit of a case. You know, I don't, don't fear God, don't, I don't care about people, don't like puppies or cats. You know, it's like, it's... But this woman is driving me crazy. We all have a woman that drives us crazy sometimes. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? The story speaks for itself. There's not much you have to add to it. But let's ask the question, what can we learn from this passage? Well, the parable of the widow and the judge is set in an unnamed town. Over that town presides an unjust judge who has no fear of God and no compassion for the people under his jurisdiction. In the Jewish community, though, a judge was expected to be impartial, to judge righteously, and to recognize that judgment ultimately belongs to God. If you jump back to Deuteronomy 1, verses 16 to 17, it talks about that. Therefore, the judge in this story is incompetent. The judge is unqualified for the job, and justice was not being served. But the needy widow repeatedly comes before the judge to plead her case. And the thing about this is, according to the Jewish law, widows deserve special protection under the justice system. So the fact, what we've got here, is we've got an unjust judge who's not paying attention to the law, and then we've got a woman, a widow, who is, should be protected by the law, not being protected by the law. But the unjust judge ignores her, and, but she doesn't give up. Finally, eventually, the judge says to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. The widow got the justice she was seeking. But then Jesus says, and he explains this point, if an uncaring, unfit, ungodly judge answers with justice in the end, how much more will a loving and holy Father give what is right to his children? Just let that sink in, you know. 
of an unjust, uncaring, unfit, ungodly judge says, yeah, I'll give justice to this woman. In the end, how much more will your God, who loves you as your ch- his children, he cares about you so dearly, he knows every hair on your head, he knows every day of your life, who cares so much about you that he sent his son to die on the cross, how much more will he h- hear you your persistence and your faith. How much more will he respond to that? Yeah, it's it's a powerful story. But what we need to learn from this is that unfortunately we don't always get immediate results when we pray. Our definition of swift justice is not the same as God's definition. The parable of the persistent widow demonstrates that effective prayer requires tenacity and faithfulness. Who has a prayer? You don't tell me, but like just rhetorical. Who has a prayer that they've been praying for years? Maybe you've been believing for something for years. Can I tell you? Keep going. Don't stop. Do not stop. Do not give up on that prayer. A genuine disciple must learn that prayer never gives up and is based on absolute trust and faith in God. If you believe that God has your best in mind, that He loves you and He cares about you, we can't give up. We can't just say that prayer didn't work after one try. We have to keep going. There needs to be a tenacity in our soul. Who thinks that they have a tenacity to their soul? Who has a fight to their soul? Or maybe you've been, you've been beaten down so many times. You've seen things that haven't come to fruition. Maybe, maybe you just, you're struggling because you've been praying for something for a while and it still hasn't happened. It doesn't mean that it won't happen. But maybe you've, you've said, all right, that's my tether. That's as much as I can pray. You know, we need a tenacity and a faithfulness to our soul. We can fully count on the Lord to answer when, where, and how He chooses. God expects us to keep asking, seeking, knocking, and praying until the answers come. You know, it says in Matthew 7, verses 7 to 8, it says, Ask in the you shall receive, seek, and you will find, knock, and the door will be opened unto you. I think I've mentioned this before, but that verse in Matthew 7, the breakdown, the passing, the Greek etymology to break the word down, actually means to, is a running verb, which means to ask and keep asking, to seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking. You know, I don't know if you've had a um, <laughs> you've had a uh, an Australia Post guy rock up to your house before, and he's just like, and runs off, and you're like, what was that? <laughs> what was that? You know, was that something there? Then you walk outside, like, oh, it's the worst if you've ever done HelloFresh or something like that. It's like, and you you walk outside, and it's like, so this has been here for like nine hours. You know, it's like you're like, well, that's ruined. But like the whole the thing, what I'm saying is like. If we want to get God's attention, 
not saying that he's not wary. If we want to be heard, to find, to seek, to understand, to have faithfulness and tenacity, you need to keep going. Maybe you've given up today on a prayer, and I want you to be asking God right now, is there a prayer that I stop praying? Is there something I stop believing for? Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's someone that you wanted to come find Christ. Because disciples of Jesus are people of persistent faith. Those who have the Holy Spirit have persistent faith. It is inherent to who you are because the faith giver dwells within you. So your faith and uh, uh, perseverance, persistence, that's it. Faith and persistence are inherent to who you are, not because of who you are, but because who lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit Faith is inherent to who you are because the Holy Spirit is inherent to who you are. If God has given us faith, we have faith because He is faith. We have persistence on the inside of us already. Like I was saying, this when you're struggling with a physical illness that is kicking your butt, or maybe you're struggling to conceive a child or you're waiting for a job opportunity to open up. Whatever breakthrough in life you are believing for, do not give up because the power of persistence and the faculty of faith lives inside of you. It lives within you. It says in Romans 8 verses 9 to 11, You, however, are not in the realm of flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, come on, if the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So if you belong to Christ, you've accepted Jesus' salvation gift. You have the Holy Spirit. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. The Holy Spirit that lives within you is the same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus when He was on the cross. The Holy Spirit didn't just be like 2.0, I'm a new Holy Spirit. Like they're just picking another one off the shelf. The same Spirit that conquered the grave lives in us. Because Jesus going to the cross, I don't know if you, you've recognized this, but Jesus going to the cross was an act of faith. Jesus was fully human. So for the fact he went to the cross and said, God, Father, I will die on this cross, but I am believing that you will raise me from the dead in three days. That was an act of faith, of trust, because he didn't know that he would, but he trusted the Father. He said, yes, he will, because he loves me and I love him. So the cross was an act of faith. Jesus was fully human. He was like you and I. 
He had all the emotions that a human had. So he has also had to have the trust and the faith of a human. But because he had the Holy Spirit in him, he trusted that once he had died and he was put into the tomb, that the Father would raise him from the dead again. And like I was saying, there's three days there where Jesus could have said, ha God could have said, sucked in, I was joking. You know, I tricked you. I don't, we have to realize that it was an act of faith, the cross. But the Father loves the Son, so there was no doubt that the Father would raise him again. Therefore, the Holy Spirit that was in Jesus and empowered Jesus to have faith now lives in who? Us. The same Holy Spirit that makes faith and persistence inherent to our being went to the cross where Jesus died and he trusted and he had faith that the Father would raise him again. And then holy, what, what happened when Jesus ascended? He says, it is better that I should go that the Spirit should come. It is better that I should go that the Comforter should come. It's better to go for me to go because the Spirit, you don't have to look just to me anymore because the power of persistence and the faculty of faith is in you when you receive the Holy Spirit. You have the power of persistence and the faculty of faith. Does that encourage you? Does that encourage you? It is already there. You feel like giving up. You feel like stopping that prayer. But hey, it is within you. It is inherent to who you are. Not because you have figured out how it all works, because you're a good person, because we're all sinners before God, but because we are saved by Jesus and because Jesus has sent the Spirit to live within us. Therefore, faith is inherent to who we are. But sometimes we can turn a tap off. And maybe you've turned a tap off. You have the power of persistence and the faculty of faith, not because you know the right things to pray all the time, but because the Holy Spirit lives within you at all times. You can believe for things unseen, not because you've earned it, but because it's inherent to who you are, because the Spirit of God dwells within you. So what do we do? Where do we go from here? Because it's nice to hear. It's nice to believe. Oh, oh, that's great. Cool. The Holy Spirit lives within me. Then we go out and we fret. We worry. We get upset. We get impatient. We say, God, why is nothing happening? And then we stop. We give up. My encouragement is that in these times, we need to shift our focus. We need to shift our focus. Because in the times when we give up, I believe what's happened is we start to focus on ourselves instead of on the faith giver. We've started to focus on ourselves. It says in Psalms 121 verses 1 to 2, it says, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I don't know if you've ever seen someone who's ashamed or disheartened, but there's a typical pose. I could be standing there, my shoulders drop, and my, my gaze lowers. 
I look down, and I don't know if you've ever seen someone who's been in, in trouble or upset, but they're looking at their feet. You know, because what happens is your eyes, your vision, there's something intimate about that. There's something telling about your soul. It says in the Bible that your eyes are the window to your soul. But when you see people looking down, dragging their feet, they're not looking up, they're not looking to where their help's from, but they're looking to where they've gone wrong. They, they start to put the emphasis on what they're not doing or maybe what they've done wrong. And their head drops, their gaze lowers, their disposition is disheartened. If there's anything that we can learn from the persistent widow, is that you cannot give up. If there's, a, if there's something to still believe for, we need to continue to believe for it until we can't. If you're believing for full healing, why would you stop? My kind of thinking is that if you have breath in your lungs, you have the ingredients for a miracle. You know, the story of the, Jesus feeding the 5,000, he didn't have Cole's truck, trucks rock up. He didn't have Nando's do a catering order. He didn't have Domino's do a massive delivery of pizzas. What did he do? He took two fish, five loaves of bread. And he said, this is all we have, God. This is all we have. But these are the ingredients for a miracle. These are ingredients for something more because all we've got is all you need. God doesn't need much. He just needs you. And he needs you to continue to not give up. Matthew 7, 7. Ask and keep on asking and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking and it will, you will find knocking, keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. What have you stopped believing for? Has your persistence, your tenacity in prayer dropped off over time? Is your new normal less than what God is asking it to be? I us get Sam to chuck some, some, chin, some pads on in the background. But well, I just want to, you've heard this story before, but I want to bring you into my story again because I believe that this the only way that we can really move forward is when we, we understand that we're all in this together. We're all believing for something. Megs, when I had my heart attack, I told you my heart function dropped to 35%. Megs said, all right, cool, we're going to pray for 60. First day out, she said, we're going to believe for 60. We're going to pray for 60. Because that's, funny enough, that's the what up there with really good heart function. Between 50 and 70 is average. So 60 was what mine was before. She said, all right, let's pray for 60. And it's only been a short time, but we pray for that. 
whenever we put Charlie down to bed, we pray with him. And now we've actually got, we've got Charlie to pray for Ollie before Ollie goes to bed. One of the prayers we always pray is, God, we pray for 60. We pray for 60. And Charlie now prays for 60. It's a little hashtag that we've made that we use as a family. If we post up something on Instagram or Facebook, we just put down the bottom, pray for 60. But if we're not going to do it, who is? If we're not going to believe, other people won't believe. We have to be the ones with the tenacity and the faithfulness in our souls to believe for what we're believing for because we have the most skin in the game. We are the one it means the most to. People will pray for us, but what we've realized is that if it's not central to someone's core, a conviction in their soul, it will drop off over time. But if you have a belief, something you're praying for in your soul, something that's arrested you, something that you're believing for, don't settle for less. What is your hashtag? What is your prayer that you're going to pray every night as you put your kids or as you go to bed? What is that prayer? Come on, let's close our eyes. As a Spirit-filled believer, I can't help but believe for more. As a Spirit-filled believer, I cannot help but believe until I take my final breath. As a Spirit-filled believer, it is inherent to who I am, not because I am a good person, but because the giver of faith lives within me. The Holy Spirit indwells me. Therefore, I have the power of persistence and the faculty of faith in me. So with every eye closed and every heart open, what are you believing for? What are you believing for? So a picture of a, a, a head, just a bald head. And I just saw a cr- cracks starting to form in it. And God was saying, the mind. That there's mental health issues that are starting to form. There's a crack in your mind. Whoever that is, let's believe. Father God, we just pray in Jesus' name that these mental health issues, whether someone's here or at home watching, these mental health issues would disappear in the name of Jesus. We believe in faith and we persist because we know that you have given us a a sound mind. A mind of power, a mind that cries, Abba, Father. So God, we just pray for those who are struggling, whether it be depression, whether it be tiredness that is becoming depression, whether it be anger that is built up or bitterness or resentment that is starting to fester. In the name of Jesus, we declare 
that we will pray and pray and persist and believe for this to go until the day we have no breath in our lungs anymore. But today starts that prayer again. I saw just a a chain um, and a ball around someone's leg, around their ankle. And the word for me was um, oppression. I don't know who here feels as though they're struggling or feel like they're oppressed or someone's oppressing them or there's something that has oppressed them. But it's real. Whether it's someone's words, whether it's someone at work, whether it's a relationship, whether it's just something going on in your mind, in your heart, oppression holds us back and causes us to to not be able to move or act the way that we want to act. So Father God, I just pray in the name of Jesus that these chains would break. This chain of oppression in the name of Jesus that's holding someone down, I pray that it would break in the name of Jesus. Uh, as well as saying early on about I'm just I want I feel like I'm hearing God this morning. I feel like it's generational. What I mean by that is this is something that's been passed down spiritually from a family member. That what you're experiencing now may have been may have happened in your life, but the original oppression is like spiritual DNA that's been passed down. So there's a family member, maybe a mum or a dad who experienced this and now you are. So in the name of Jesus, we just pray against any generational curses or anything that comes down through the family line and, and we break everyone off in the name of Jesus. We say, Lord, keep the blessings, but in the name of Jesus, we break the curse. Any generational Iniquities have been passed down in the name of Jesus. We just speak against them and we say, in your name, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that you are Lord. And that is every curse, every word, anything that is oppressive or that is contradictory to the Holy Spirit, we just speak out against it in the name of Jesus. I hope God's speaking to you right now. Kind of rocked up to church, not just wanting to leave with a pat on the back. But believing that God can actually do something. He does actually do something. I just see a rainbow. Just see a rainbow. And the big thing for me about the rainbow is it's, it's part of God's promise to us. 
God is a God of promises. And if God has promised something, He can't be God unless He fulfills that promise. Maybe you're believing for a promise. Maybe it's for children. Maybe it's for children to come to know you, God. Maybe it's for family members to be reconciled and relationships to be restored. Maybe it's a promise that God, to know that God is always with you and you might not be feeling that. Whatever the promise is right now, God always keeps His promises. So in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, that you're a loving Father, that you are not an unjust judge. But Lord, we know that you are so much more loving than an unjust judge. The thing we know is, God, that even the unjust judge brings justice. So Lord, we just know that we are believing we're going to see it with our mind, mind's eye. We're going to believe in faith that these promises you have given to us, whatever time, whenever you choose, that they will come to fruition. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, I don't know if anything there struck a chord with you or maybe you're feeling something of God speaking to you right now, but I'm going to just be sensitive to the Spirit. I will be making coffees for people, but I'll be sensitive to the Spirit. But I want to encourage you that God is a God of transformation. That God does not have to wait for a full house to do the miraculous. That God doesn't have to wait for us to get to to a point where we've given all our money and we've got it all figured out to Him. God's ready now. God's ready now, and all He wants is for today to, for you to have that interaction with Him, that exchange, whatever it is, whatever it looks like. I encourage you, sit in this space, have a chat to someone, come chat to me. But I love you all. Thanks for tuning in to the Freedom City Podcast. If there is any way that we can help you survive and thrive in your everyday life, we'd love to connect with you. If you'd want to know more about who we are, just head to www.freedomcityfremantle.com. Until next time, take care.